This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. I want to encourage you all to go to our website, www.nvcoc.net. You can uh, learn about the congregation up here in Cave Creek, learn about um, uh, all the different works we have going on, as well as click on that radio mic, and you can not only listen to this episode, but all of our previous episodes we've done on Revelation and things going on in the news and I know I talked about uh, doing a, a different program from Revelation 19 today, but I, I'm, I'm going to continue the Revelation. Uh, I do want to say a few things about what's coming up. We Here we are. It's the 16th of December. It's chilly outside, and next week is Christmas. we got Christmas Eve and, of course, Christmas. Later on will be the New Year. and Well, you know, there's... Um, uh, people have differing opinions about Christmas and whether or not we ought to celebrate that. Um, I know there are some out there that don't think that uh, any Christian should be involved in Christmas uh, whatsoever, claiming you know, can't put one day above another. And I don't think uh, that we're, we're doing that. I celebrate Christmas with my children. I don't mind them learning how to a give and how to receive presents and gifts. They enjoy it. It's a special time of the year. There's a lot of joy and man, and unity, too. And, 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 man, we need that. We are desperate for some good joy. Yeah, the economy is doing great. The things are doing great. But, man, our politicians are against one another and at each other's throat. There's a lot of division. So I'm thankful for this time of year, and I hope uh, that it can bring people's uh, – frustrations down a bit. We may focus on things that are better and more wholesome than the things we have been. Also, I don't mind people thinking that Jesus was born on that day. Was Jesus born on December the 25th? Well, no, he was not. Uh, we're per- we, we can know for certain based on who the high priest is, the Levitical system in the uh, Old Testament lets us know the what families are to be the high priest at what time of the year. And we know who the high priest was. I don't have it right here in front of me. But we know that based on that the uh, the family name, it's the springtime. Also, you have the shepherds as well. The shepherds who come and see Jesus are, are out there shepherding the flock in the field. They are only going to do that in the springtime. They're not going to do it in the middle of winter, especially in December. So that's another thing. And there's other things that point to that. But that's okay. People who are in the world who hardly darken the door of a church building on this time of year might be thinking about the things of Christ and his birth. You cannot tell me that that's not at least a good thing. I'm not saying that we ought to be promoting it or anything like that, but if somebody comes here, the North Valley Church of Christ, and they're thinking about the things of Christ, I'm going to use that as an opportunity to bring them to the truth. And I think you, you should also. I mean, here's a time when we have family coming over and friends, perhaps they're not members of the body of Christ. 
don't uh, uh, you know push buttons or anything like that. But these are opportunities about uh, uh, the chance to talk about the things of Christ. Maybe you can find those opportunities and reach out to them. All right, let's get into the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 19. We're going to be, uh, this is not lengthy, it's not too long, but I want us to break this down to a few sections. Let's start by reading verses 1 through 8 of Revelation 19. It says, After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he, ha- and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time, they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne, saying, Amen. Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne, saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, who, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad, and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Okay, let's go back up here to verse 1. So John now hears a great multitude in heaven. Surely this uh, depicts the victorious people of God at the end of time. We saw mourning there in chapter 18 over the end of Babylon, but now... Now there's celebration among those who belong to God. And in verse 2, talks about his judgments. The praise is to God for bringing justice. He has avenged the blood of his bondservants. Remember those from the previous, I think it's chapter 4 or 5 or 6, where those who are under the altar crying out for, um, for vengeance, and God gives them white linen, and he says, so be patient and wait. Here it is. They've received their uh, their vengeance. God gave it to them through his uh, judgments. Verse 3, her smoke rises. The, this is the finality of the harlot's judgment. We are again looking at the end of earthly things. Judgment has come. Sin is removed. And eternity is beginning right here. Then the 24 elders and the four beasts, uh, all the heavenly hosts are together with, uh, with a great multitude praising God. So you got this great victory has been won. The eternal plan of God is now fulfilled. And, and this is what everybody has been waiting for. Remember, uh, it tells us that you know, uh, the Hebrew letter in chapter 1, things into which angels long to look, that is the full plan of salvation of God. Now it's come to full fruition. Not, not only has it been shown through the Son, 
But now the son has returned. He's brought his people home, and it's all done. God's purpose, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, to bring many sons to glory has finally come to fruition. And it's uh, this is what God has always wanted. Verses 7 and 8. Here's the marriage. This is the happy occasion of the Lamb and his bride, that is the church, or all the saved from the beginning of time. She has readied herself for this wedding day. Uh, note the difference in the way she is dressed from the way the harlot arrayed herself from chapter 17, verse 4. John tells us that the bride's outward dress consists of the righteous acts of the saints. All right, sounds good. And then verse 9, here's um, one of the blessings. Uh, this is the fourth of seven Beatitudes. And John is told to write these words. Those invited to the wedding of the Lamb are those who have been called by the gospel and who respond in faith. You know, I want to go back and mention all the different Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. You have Revelation 1.3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Chapter 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. 16.15 Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his garments, lest he walk about naked and men see his shame. And we're right now, 19.9 Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Chapter 20, verse 6 will be, blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. 22, 7, and behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. And then 22.14, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter by the gates into the city. Awesome. I like those Beatitudes of Revelation. I, I hope you do too. Take a look at those. Maybe write those down. or When you get home, take a look at those. And, and think... Uh, on, on these beatitudes, those blessings. Verse 10. There he talks about, uh, I am a fellow servant. Uh, angels are are not a uh, to be worshipped. Did I? Yeah. Did I read that? Yeah. Then, uh, then I fell, on, uh, fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I don't think I did read that. Anyway. All right, verse 10. So I'm a fellow servant. That's the angel. Angels are not to be worshipped by man. Why John attempts to worship this angel? It's left unexplained. We don't know. Um, He talks about the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony concerning Jesus is the central motivation of prophecy. Jesus is the very reason for prophecy. In other words, 
all that has been revealed from heaven in the Old Testament times and in John's revelation takes its life from Jesus. Everything points to him. It's all about him. Now let's look at verses 11 to 16. Let's read that first. This is a a vision of Jesus arrayed for battle. The text says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's take a look at some of these phrases we find throughout verses 11 to 16. The white horse. Why that? Well, it's a symbol of holiness. Of course, when you get on a horse, that's a, you're ready for battle, you're ready for war. Uh, faithful and true. He is absolutely trustworthy. He is genuine. That's what true means. It's the genuine article. It's the truth. In righteousness, judges and wages war. The battle that Jesus will fight will be the final one. It's the judgment day. He is the one qualified to judge. He has eyes that are flame of fire. That means it's all penetrating. They burn through all the deception of unrighteousness to reveal men as who they really are. Nothing's hidden from him. He sees through the lies. Many diadems. That's a all true royalty and ruling beyond uh, belongs to him, uh, a, a name that no one knows, perhaps um, revealing a close connection and a fellowship with God, perhaps. You know, a, a, na- a person's name reveals themselves to others. Uh, it says who they really are. But here is a name that is unknown. Man, you know, I think what this means, what he's talking about here, is that man does not fully comprehend God. Yeah, we have the Word of God, and it tells us what his purposes for us and what he wants from us, the relationship he wants with us. But can can you fully explain God? How do you explain he has no beginning? How do you explain he has no ending? How do you explain that he can just create all things and, and, and all that he does? You can't. You can't. We can't fully know God. We're, our, our finite minds are, are unable to grasp and understand those things. He has a robe that's dipped in blood. Uh, Two possibilities of this blood. It might be the blood of his enemies, indicating victory, or it's the blood of redemption, but also of victory. I think it's probably that, uh, rather than dipped in his enemy's blood. 
the name is called the Word of God. Here's the name revealed. Expresses what Jesus accomplished. He is the revelation of God, revealing God to man. Uh, he has armies following him. Seems to be ordered ranks of heavenly creatures that will return with Jesus. No army on earth is a match for his army. Makes me think of uh, Elijah, or is it Elisha and his servant. When the, uh, an enemy was coming to, to kill Elisha, and so they were surrounded his, his hometown. They were up on the hill, the, the, the chariots out, and they were on top of the hill all the way around. The servant sees it. He's scared. He, he tells Elisha. And Elisha prays that his servant's eyes may be opened to see God's salvation. And then his eyes are open. And behind that other army, he sees the whole host of of uh, angels all around them. There is no way these guys are going to touch Elisha. Now, did God need to send an army of angels to take out that one army? No. In the past, during the days of Hezekiah, when they were being sieged in Jerusalem, it was one angel who killed like some, what, 300,000? It was a ridiculous number. Just killed them all. And that army fled. Doesn't take much. No one can beat the armies of God. Uh, from his mouth, a uh, a sharp sword with one great swipe, Jesus will smite the nations in judgment. How? By his word. You can see John chapter 12, verse 48 for that. He will rule with a rod of iron. Although he leads sheep with a shepherd's rod or staff, he is also equipped to render judgment and punishment. So he's got that rod of iron as well. He treads the winepress, another symbol of judgment there. We see that uh, also back in chapter 14, verse 20. Uh, he's got a name on his robe and thigh. He is king of kings, which identifies this writer with the lamb. Uh, he is above all rule and above all authority. No one has any more has more authority than he does. He's overall, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. And this vision helps us to see Christ as, a capable, as capable of victory over any opposition. This will prepare us for another vision of judgment. Armageddon is coming, but Christ is ready. Now let's read verses 17 to the end of the chapter. John writes, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of commanders, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horse, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and slaves, and small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence, but which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. So, verses 17 and 18, we 
We now hear the announcement of the end of all who were seduced by Babylon. And the imagery of battle uh, governs this, this vision. You have this another great slaughter. You know, whenever, whenever there's any great war, the, the birds of, uh, of, of prey, you know, the vultures and whatnot and other birds, would feed upon the corpses. And remember, this is not a physical battle. Uh, we are looking at the end. It's just that this is the picture. These are visions that John is seeing to, in order to describe what the end's going to be like. And here, the battle announced in verses 17 and 18 is described in verse 19. And again, it's judgment. It's the final battle. Satan's allies have all gathered. They're, they're gathered like this huge, intimidating force. But they're no match for the one who sat upon the horse. They're going to lose, verses 20 and 21. The beast, that's the anti-Christian powers and the false religion that are now receiving what they deserve. They're thrown alive, it seems to point to an eternal punishment in hell. Not annihilation, they're not like you know, killed and that's it. They're alive when they're thrown into this uh, judgment or torment. They're killed with the sword. The sword comes from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. and it, I think it has to revert Refer to the words of Christ. Everyone is going to be judged by these words. Again, reference John 12, verse 48 for that. So we have, we've had revealed to us, basically in, in this order, the dragon, the sea beast, the land beast, Babylon, the kings of earth, the merchants, the shippers, and now... Now we are seeing their destruction, which is depicted in reverse order of their revealing, right? With these last verses, we're back to the land and sea beast. All that remains is for us to see the ultimate end of the dragon. Chapter 20 is coming. Now we're not going to go over this, but I want to. Op- uh, I do want to read uh, the opening passage of this. Remember, these are visions. This is a, a, a snapshot of the end time. It, it says, or he starts off in chapter 20, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Don't forget, these are, these are symbols. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer. Until the thousand years were completed, after these things he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand, and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, a second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison. Why? So he can gather his armies. Verse 8. And he'll come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, 
to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And so we're going to be taking a look at that uh, more likely next week. Uh, and um, I need to probably get that going, but we'll, we'll, we'll go over chapter 20. But I just want to say that the, what we're seeing there it was just talked about you know, with, with that big war. And so we're kind of going back again to the thousand-year reign of people still alive here on earth until the judgment scene, and then Satan's freed for a short moment, that moment being a twinkling of the eye. And it's always going to look like Satan's going to win, but God wins. God always wins. Doesn't it, doesn't it always look like that? When we look out there in the world, it always seems like we're losing. It always seems like the world's winning, like Satan's winning, but he's not. Don't get deceived. You are on the winning team if you are in Christ. And keep on keeping on for the Lord. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Well, I'm going to, uh, I want to I encourage you again. Please take a look at our website when you get home or if you're driving. www.nvcoc.net uh, Take a look at our website. Uh, find out a little bit about the Church of Christ up here at North Valley. And uh, read up about us. Click on that radio mic. You'll hear this episode. All the previous ones. If this is your first one you've listened to, I encourage you to listen to the previous ones. Let me hear your comments. I want to hear what you think. Feel free to email me if you want. Chris Macy, C-H-R-I-S-M-A-C-Y, at Outlook.com. I'd like to hear your thoughts and your opinions on these things as I work through the book of Revelation. We're almost done. We only have a few chapters left. Uh, Christmas is coming up, folks. Get all that shopping done. Spend time with your family. And remember to thank the Lord for all that he has given us. We want to be strong. we got to study our word, the word of God. We have to bring into our minds and hearts and always be thankful to him for the time he's given us. Let us redeem the time. Let us make the most of it, for the days are evil. Merry Christmas, folks, and may the Lord bless you and your family and keep you safe. Take care. Bring the message out. Send up to sweep away till shut on the better day. Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.